0: Welcome to the Free Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Here we are. Listen, I'm so excited about this revival. I want to thank your pastor for in- inviting me. I know, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God's going to do some amazing things. In your life and in this church this weekend, because every time I go somewhere and there's such opposition like never before, I know when the enemy tries to rear his ugly head, that's because God's got something great for you. And so I'm just talking a little bit now, in the way of a little bit of a preamble, just to get to work out the bugs. Just to work out. See, devil ain't stopped yet. You know what I'm saying? He ain't stopped yet. They say when the devil was cast out of heaven, Pastor Mitchell used to say he was cast into the sound system. (laughs) So, (laughs) and uh, so we're going to have a great time. If you want to put your finger on Ezekiel 37, go ahead and do that. Ezekiel 37. You know, I'm so excited about this revival and and all that God's going going to do. I just finished revival in Gainesville last week. And seven seven new people were added to the church. Okay, now notice I didn't say they had seven visitors. I said seven new people were added to the church. These people came on the first night and kept coming every other night afterwards. And they were looking forward to. They're using terms like outreach and fellowship. By the time we're done with the by the term by the time we're done with the revival, and so uh, we had a tremendous time down there in Gainesville. Before that, I was in Davenport, Iowa. And in uh, Davenport, Iowa, God just did what God wants to do. I'm going to show you a picture later on this week. You're going to see a lot of pictures this week. And uh, I'm going to show you a picture later on this week of what God did in Davenport, Iowa. You know, we started with six people. We ended with 46 people. Did y'all hear what I said? And, and when I show you this picture, y'all, y'all are going to be amazed. So you, so you got to come this week. You know, I'm so excited about this revival that I made up my mind. I'm not going to miss a single service. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna come to all of them. You know, I I got my mind made up. I ain't gonna, ain't gonna skip a single, a single service. Now, if we keep having the problem, I could do without the microphone if y'all, if y'all need me to. We're good. We're gonna work it out. And so, before you, before this revival ends, you'll, you'll probably know everything about me except my social security number, because we preach who we are, we preach what we are. And so, I want to just jump into the. uh, Jump into the word of God in just just a moment. Uh, I grew up in South Florida. South Florida is a beautiful place to me. Uh, I never had a desire to live there or make that my homestead, but I grew up there and I like visiting there. It's a beautiful place. I was born in Fort Lauderdale and I grew up in a city called Pompano Beach, Florida. So it's all one city down there, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano, Sunrise, whatever. It's all one city down there. But when I grew up, I come from a big family. My mom and dad had 11 kids. They had 12. One passed away. We had 11. We grew up knowing 11 11 kids. This is my family. I want to show you my family. My brothers and sisters. uh, This is a picture of my brothers and sisters growing up. Now, why is the screen black? Y'all trying to say we black? (laughs) That was was y'all trying to say. (laughs) I don't know if you can see them. But uh, these are my these are my brothers and sisters. There we go. We got a little zoom action. There we go. We got a got a little zoom action. Now we grew up we grew up with this family, and uh, my mom's not there. We grew up with this family, and so it was 13 people in the house. Three bedroom, one bathroom. Now you see why we can never grow no trees in our yard. Three bedroom, one. one <laughs> I appreciate it. A couple of people got it. Uh, one, can y'all tell which one is me? You're right, the good looking one. You're right. The good looking one, that's right. That's the good looking one. Uh, the good looking one is is me. And I'm child number seven. If you anything, if you're if you're uh any know anything about numbers, number seven, that's God's number. How I many you know what I'm talking about? I'm God's child. Number seven. I'm number seven. I- Well, all right. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. I almost want to run down there and give you a high five. Give me me a high five. How about number seven? Number seven, high five. Anybody else number seven? Anybody that's an only child? Only child? Mom and dad say, don't do that again, huh? Okay. Hey, listen, if you can't laugh in church, what can you laugh, huh? We're just kidding, brother, you know. I know I know it's a love offering coming. Don't don't seek vengeance against me. OK. <laughs> I noticed. I said my mom's not in that picture because in this picture, my mom has passed away. And the reason why I put that picture up is because of those of those 11 children you see right there. Nine of them are pastors, pastors, wives, evangelists or missionaries. Nine, nine of them are pastors, pastors, wives, evangelists, or missionaries. I'm the only one in, in, in the Christian fellowship churches, but of the rest of them in their, in their organization, they're pastors, pastors, wives, evangelists, or missionaries. Everybody except my brother Al, who's standing by me in a white shirt, and my brother Junior, who's standing right, who's standing right above my dad. Everybody is... Everybody is... Uh. Either pastor, pastor's wife, evangelist, missionary. My youngest sister there, that's my youngest sister on the bottom left-hand corner, her and her husband, her husband is a pastor, she's a pastor's wife. Her and her husband just bought their church. They took $300,000 out their bank and went and paid cash for the church. They just, they just went and bought their building. They were, they were operating from temporary locations, you know how we do, and they just went and bought their building. Now, of the 11 kids, and you've got nine that are pastors, pastors, wives, evangelists, missionaries. How can you have such tremendous success when it comes to Christianity, the kingdom of God? How can you have, because I'm from South Florida, we should have all been criminals, we should have all been in jail. Now, don't get me wrong, we did our time and uh, we paid our debts to society, but on the other side of that, how can you have such tremendous success? You know, if we'd got two of them, that have been great. Three of them, but nine, not just saved and coming to church, but actively involved in the ministry today. The reason why we have such tremendous success is because of the next picture they get ready to put up. is because of my mother. I want to introduce you all to my, my mother. My mother's name is Lula Bell Wells. That is, that is my mother. Actually, that picture is actually on her obituary. Uh, that is my mother. She died in 2004. Just as I'm assuming the pastorate of the of the uh, Potter's House in Temple, Texas, uh, we're getting ready to go. My mom died. I called Pastor Larry Mitchell, my pastor at the time. I said, "Hey, Pastor, we got to push the takeover back two weeks." Uh, my mom just died. I said, "Oh, my, Marv, I'm so sorry. Go take care of your mom. You know, we'll, we'll push it back however far you need to push it back. Just a couple of weeks." And uh, But I want to introduce you to my mom. That's Lula Bell Wells. She had 11 kids, had 12, one passed away. My mom was, to, to let you know, anybody know who, who Big Mom is? Okay, that's my mom. That's my mom. Anybody know who Madea is? Okay. I mean, not, not Tyler Perry's Madea, but the real Madea in the family. Okay, that's my mom. People would come from far and wide to get the wisdom from my mom. My mom was not a pastor. She was not trying to be a preacher. She was just a child of God. She just read her Bible. And people would come from far and wide to get my mom's wisdom. When my mom died in 2004, there are over 2,000 people at her funeral. Now, I'm not making that up. I, I normally would call my sister during this sermon at this point juncture, and she verified verify over the phone, live. she said, yeah, there's over 2,000 people there at my mom's, at my mom's funeral. I've been to funerals, lucky if anybody showed up, you know what I'm saying? I look, I've been to funerals, you know, as a pastor, people ask, will you come to, yeah, i go say some words, and they ask, well, "Where's everybody else at?" They say, you it, start speaking. I say, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, but over 2,000 people, and many people who came, testified, you know, you have the wake the day before, or, or before that, you have the wake, and then, because everybody can't speak at the funeral, so people speak at the wake, and people would get up and testify, that the reason why they're saved, the reason why they're still saved, the reason why they're married, the reason why they're still married, the reason why they're clothed in their right mind, the reason why they stopped drugs or alcohol or stopped running the streets, if you know what I mean, and the reason why they stopped all that is because of the words my mom would speak, the words my mom would speak. My mom would see hope in anybody. You could see somebody stumbling down the street and you call an old drunk, you know, stay high, Charlie. These old, old, my mama say, God could use that person. That's why I hope he do not use them in our church, but I don't care. <laughs> but she say, God could use that person. God can save that person. God could change that person. And she'd always speak a positive word. And the proof is in the pudding that when we laid her in the ground that day, over 2,000 people came to my mom's. Came to my mom's funeral. I want to preach a sermon. I want to challenge you, and I want to change you. And I want to challenge you about the words that you speak. I want to preach a sermon called, Hear the Word of the Lord. Hear the Word of the Lord. Let's begin at verse 1. The Bible says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. Now, I need to stop right there because a lot of times we'll read the Bible and we won't fully grasp what's going on. We won't fully grasp what is happening. And we'll read it and we'll just go by and we'll skip it. But basically what what, uh, Ezekiel is saying, that in the beginning of chapter 37, I was minding my own business and all of a sudden, The hand of the Lord came upon me, and it left my body there, and it carried me out in the spirit. So Ezekiel is having an out-of-body experience. He's still there. His body is still there. But God reached in and took him out of his body. So now with that in mind, start again at verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. This is an indication of how many people were there. And how long they were there. It takes a long time for skeletal remains to become very dry, dried out, brittle. And they were very dry. So he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God. I don't know. You God, what you asking me for? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I do not know, but he just spiritualized it, and he says, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Now, don't over-spiritualize this. He's in the middle of a graveyard. He, he's, in the, he's, he's surrounded by dry bones, and God telling this man, I want you to start prophesying. What would you do if God took you out to the graveyard and said, start preaching? You, know, you feel me now? What would you do? If God put you in an impossible situation and said, speak life, speak hope, God, they're dead. I was invited to come pray, to come pray for a person in the hospital. And this is the phone call I got. Hey, Marvin. Yes, um, we're up here at the hospital. Could you come up here? I need you to pray for my mother-in-law, my wife's mom. I said, man, I'm on my way, man. I put my stuff on real quick. I'm about three miles from the hospital. I get down to the hospital and, and I get in the room where they're at. And I said, hey, uh, uh, she's dead. They said, we know She was dead when we called you. Okay, what do you want me to do? "Uh, Pray. Okay, yeah, okay, pray, okay. (laughs) Pray. What would you do if God put you in an impossible situation? Like he just did for Ezekiel. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. He didn't know what to say. God just told him what to say. He ain't said nothing yet. God just told him what to say. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. See, it wasn't no noise when God said it. The noise came when he said it. So It don't matter what the word of God say. We know what the word of God say, but what do you say? I know it's written. It's been written for thousands of years. But what do you say? See, it's not enough just to have the word of God here you got to start saying and believing and prophesying. What do you say? Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man. Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet. An exceeding great army. I want to consider, first of all, nothing is impossible with God. And we believe that nothing is impossible with God until we get in an impossible situation. Then we begin to change our philosophy. Our theology begins to change quite a bit. You know, when we're here and we don't need nothing and there's no pressing need, you know, we we believe that there's nothing impossible with God. But then when we find ourselves in the impossible situation, we begin to back down. God is challenging you and I this morning not to back down. In our text, Ezekiel is in bondage. They are in what is called the Babylonian captivity. There are two famous captivities in the Old Testament. One is the Egyptian captivity and the second one is the Babylonian captivity. There are other Bible characters in this Babylonian captivity along with Ezekiel. He is not there by himself. Daniel is in this same captivity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is in the same captivity. Isaiah and Jeremiah are in the same captivity. You know, many times... We feel better about our bondage if we could point to two or three other people that are doing just as bad as we are. Well, I know I, I ain't doing too good, but Ralph ain't doing good either. Mary and them ain't doing good. And I hope Ralph and Mary are not here this morning. But we feel better about our bondage. It doesn't change our bondage, but we just change our mind because we can point to two or, uh, two or three other people who are just as bad off as we are. But Ezekiel shows us something. And I believe God wants us to hear something this morning, that even though Ezekiel is in bondage, even though he's in captivity, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So you could not be doing your best this morning and still have the hand of God upon you. You could not have all the bills paid and and not have all the answers for tomorrow and not know how the situation is going to work out, and you can still have the hand of God upon you. But the psalmist gives us a behind-the-scenes look at what is actually taking place while they're in bondage. It's like people who are in jail, you know you ever noticed when they get out there was always the baddest one there, yeah, man, I ran things when I was in jail, man, yeah, I was in charge, man, me and my boys, you were probably there doing somebody hair, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you. <was> pro- <laughs> 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 you was probably there with Kool-Aid lipstick, you know what I'm saying? You probably, I'm not saying that, you know, listen, I know about the penal system, so I'm not calling it what I'm, I'm saying, but it they, they was always bad when they when they was there, man. Yeah, man, me and my boys, man, yeah, we had contraband, we were running dope through there, man. You probably, how you want it? You want it braided? How you want it? <laughs> so, so the psalmist gives us a behind the scene look at what was actually going on with the children of Israel while they're in the bondage. Psalms 137 and verse 1 says these words, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept. This is what's going on. We're not bad Leroy Brown. This is what's going on. They're down there and they're weeping. They're not singing the songs of Zion. Why? Because they're in bondage. They're not praising God. Why? Because they're in bondage. No worship is taking place. Why? Because they're in bondage. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept. Why is that? Because to be honest, we don't feel like singing while we're in bondage don't matter what song they pick out. You know, we like that old faithful, well, I went to the enemy camp. Now, even when they sing that song, we don't feel like singing. Why? Because we're in bondage. We don't feel like pastors can say, let's praise God. Oh, because we're in bondage. Let's worship God. You can't stop that. We're in bondage. I can always tell when people got paid, Boy, they clap their hands. <laughs> they ain't in bondage no more. They boy, they getting down. You know, I thought they were finna start shouting a little bit, you know. <laughs> they getting down. Why? Because they ain't in bondage. You might be in bondage right now. You're trying to focus on the service and the sermon, but all you're thinking about is you got a tremendous financial debt that you can't meet. You might be in an addiction. You know they talk about Jesus can set you free. But on the other side of your mind, you can't wait to get out of here to satisfy the addiction. You might be in a mental bondage. Your body's here, but your mind is on the other side of town. Listen, this morning, God wants to breathe on you. God wants to breathe on some dry bones. But you first have got to understand that there is nothing impossible with God. Which brings me to my second point, the words you speak. Now, I grew up, in the, and we didn't, we didn't grow up with doctors and medicine. They were there, but not for us. They were, they were, I remember I was in the army and on Fort Hood, Texas, and I went to go to the dentist. And the guy said, when's the last time you went to the dentist? I said, this is the first time I'm going to the It's de- <laughs> the first time I'm going to the dentist. I remember one time I had a splitting headache. And you, you you never told your dad you had a splitting headache. You always holler for mom. But first of all, you're scared to knock on that door anyway. Because, you know, they got 11 kids. God knows what they're doing in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, and so I knock on the door and I quickly, yeah, mom, for dad had a chance. Who will get away from that door, boy? <laughs> Who are Mom, what is it, baby? (laughs) I got a headache, Mom. It's killing me. Can you take me to the hospital? Can you take me to the doctor? Go back in there and lay down. I'll be there directly. I said, "Oh Lord Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm dying. I'm gonna be on the floor flopping dead. (laughs) You you two might go back in there and lay down." About two or three minutes later, it seemed like it was an eternity. My mom came in there, and she got a Bible in her hand. I'm looking at my mom, looking at the Bible. It's the last image I got before I die. <laughs> you walk in here with a Bible. I just told you I'm going to die. And you walk in here with a Bible. She said, lift your pillow up, son. I lift my pillow up. She slid the Bible under my pillow. Pat it back down. She said, now lay your head down. I wish I had the foresight to ask her what the chapter and verse, what book was that? I wish I had the insight, but all I had was a splitting headache. I laid my head down and, and no soon as my head hit the pillow, I got the best, the most peaceful. And I tell you the truth, folks, from that day, I'm probably third grade, you know, eight years old, third grade. I've never experienced headaches in my life. That's migraines, headaches. That's not a part of my makeup. Not a part. My, my mom, she opened that, put that. Now lay your head down. She would always speak words of faith, speak words of hope. God told Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. Now, wait a minute now. We got a problem here What's the problem that you got to tell the prophet to prophesy. Why you got to tell the prophet to prophesy? Anytime you got to tell the Christian to be a Christian, you got a problem. Anytime you got to tell the Christian to do things that Christians should already be doing, you got a problem. Everybody say I'm a Christian, but they ain't doing the things Christians should be doing. Well, we got a problem. If, 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 if all these so-called Christians, why is evil taking over? Why is unrighteousness taking over? Because we got a problem because the prophets are not prophesying. God said, prophesy to the bone. Well, Lord, look, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What do you mean, what are you going to say? You're a prophet. It's been a long time, Lord. It's been, it's been a long time since I. Okay, I'll, go. I'll be the first to admit, I ain't been reading your word. I ain't been reading the Torah. I ain't been reading the Chronicles. I, 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 I. See, when you, ain't, when you ain't doing what you should have been doing, there'll come a time when you'll be in a position and a situation and the people look at the outward you and say, oh, you got this. You go to church three times a week. You got this you got Bibles on your dashboard. you got this. You, you, you get the scripture of the day. you got this. And then we have to come to the sobering conclusion. I've not been who I should be, saying what I should be saying. I've not been. And life has a way of revealing it and putting you in that situation by the dry bones. And the spotlight's on you. What am I going to say? I don't even know what to say. God tells Ezekiel, I'm going to tell you what to say then. We're going to come back to you because we still got some bones that need to live. I'm going to tell you what to say. See, we got to get back to saying what God says. What does God say about your situation? What does God say? Well, I'm barren. I don't have any Physical kids, I don't have any spiritual kids. We go on outreach, and it's a weight loss program for me. I just walk up and down the street. Nobody gets saved. I just walk, and I, and I'm barren. Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 54, you got to start saying what God says, verse one: Sing, O barren! I don't feel like singing. Sing, you who have not born. Break forth in singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married," says the Lord. What is he talking about? He said, "Listen, you keep singing a lullaby or you keep swinging your arms until one day there's a baby in your arms." I'm, I I will mostly lead the outreaches. when I was a disciple in the local church, and I I'd mostly lead the outreach, and they'll come get the, get the name. They'll come they'll come bringing to me, and I say, "Hey, I ain't got no names yet." Hey. Ain't, ain't, nobody, ain't nobody getting saved. I stopped. Everybody stop right here. It's too hot out here in Texas for nobody to get saved. The devil is alive. We, we need to stop. We need to pray. Some of y'all need to get your heart right. But somebody's going to get saved. I didn't come out here for nobody to not get saved. God, I declare right now today that you are going to save souls. And I'm on the streets. I love some college football. Baylor Bears. Go Baylor. If Baylor ain't winning, which they ain't <laughs> I mean, they'll beat the sorry schools, but <laughs> then go Longhorns. And God's going to have a death reckoning with them Oklahoma Sooners. There's going to be a death reckoning. <laughs> if I got to give up my Saturday, miss college football out here on this, somebody going to get saved. You got to stop saying what God is saying. You need a healing to your body. But Psalms 30 and verse 2, I cried to the Lord and he healed me. Most people just cry. Cry out to God. God tells Ezekiel, I'm going to tell you what to say. Now, notice this now. When God tells Ezekiel, I'm going to tell you what to say. Now, listen, listen. Props to the bones. What do I say? Say, oh, ye dry bones, hear the word. That's all you want me to say? Yeah. Just like that? Yeah. O ye dry bones, hear the word. Now, notice it was said twice. Nothing happened when God said it. Y- are y'all with me? God told him what to say. Oh, ye dry bones. You think bones would have just got together because God said it. Nothing happened when God said it. Nothing didn't happen till Ezekiel said it. Then when Ezekiel said, oh, ye dry bones, hear the word, then there was a rattling. God's waiting on some of y'all to start speaking. Start prophesying. Quit wishing for the lottery and the power ball. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Pass by the bingo hall. I think, man, you know how you used to be pretty lucky on that bingo. You know, <laughs> It ain't going to happen. <laughs> you got to start speaking what God has said. Start prophesying what God said. Listen, if you want your marriage to change, prophesy to your marriage. I prophesied to my marriage, my wife changed completely, completely, totally. I remember one day, walking in the house, you will cook a tasty meal. (laughs) You will add dessert onto that meal. You will have my clothes ironed. have the kids in order. You will do all these things. I say when she get home that's what I'm gonna tell her. <laughs> and when she get and When she get and When she get when she get, when she get I prophesied over my home. I prophesy peace. I prophesy love. I prophesy joy. I speak over my home. Uh, people come in my house and say, There's "Something different about your house. Uh, what, what's different? The rent paid? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I speak, I speak over my. <laughs> they say I could just go to sleep in your house. I say, No, you can't. <laughs> you got to go home. <laughs> what's different about your house? I said, We play Christian music. We read the Bible. You see that room right there." My wife and I, at old dog 30, we go in that room and we pray before I go off and do anything else. We go in that room and we pray together. We speak words. We pray for our marriage, our children, our grandchildren, our church, our fellowship, our pastor. See, before, I know we got morning prayer and we got other obligations, but before we do we go in that room right there And we pray. I speak words. Isaiah, rather, Ezekiel began to speak words. You know, you speak words and you start feeling pretty happy, especially when you see God move. You see God, man, I prayed for that job and I got the job. You're like, pastor, can I testify? I prayed for the car and I got the car. I didn't know my credit was that good. How good was it? Good enough to get the car. Mind your business. (laughs) Ezekiel began to say, oh, ye dry bones, Hear the word. And the Bible says suddenly there was a rattling. And in the New Wells translation, go back and read it sometime. In the New Wells translation, it said the toe bone connected to the ankle bone, and the ankle bone connected to the foot bone, and the foot bone connected to the knee bone, and the knee bone connected to the hip bone, and the hip bone connected to the backbone, and the backbone connected to the shoulder bone, and the shoulder bone connected to the neck bones. And now he's feeling pretty good. Why? Because he just began to speak some words. He began to get back to what he used to be doing. My kids, I wish, I wish to, I could tell you, my kids grew up in the church and they loved God. They was in ministry. They served God their whole entire life. My kids went ran, we call it run, they went amok. Well, what did you do to get them back? We began to speak words. Begin to bind spirits of rebellion and disobedience and unrighteousness. God, make the cigarettes taste nasty in the mouth. God, make the make the alcohol, God, turn the stomach inside out, Lord God. I know it's gonna do it anyway, but make it, make make it severe, God. God, 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 and my son, God. mom, what what you want, son? Uh, I stopped smoking. You mean you ran out of your last cigarette in between going by some? No it tasted nasty in my mouth. That's what we was praying. Make it taste nasty in the mouth. And if you're watching this or listening to me and you smoke cigarettes right now, God, make it taste nasty in their mouth. (laughs) Don't say that. (laughs) God, make it taste nasty. I want to close because right now we got a, a spirit that's outside the body. God's telling Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I see what's going on down there in Babylon. The prophets are not prophesying. The people of God are not being the people of God. You don't even know what to preach and what to pray. Now I'm telling you, Ezekiel, things are going to have to change. Why? Because I'm getting ready to bring a deliverance. Your bondage is just about over. But if you don't learn something from the bondage, you'll repeat the bondage. You'll go right back to it. You'll be back in bondage again. And I'm tired of this revolving door. Listen, I see y'all down by the rivers of Babylon. And I see y'all weeping and and you're not praising and you're not worshiping and you're not giving and you're not giving it your all. I'm sick and tired of y'all. Now y'all got to get back down there. And when you get back down there I want you to change the words you speak. And when you get back to your school and get back to your job and get back to your neighborhood and get back to where you're going I want you to change the words you speak. I want you to stop speaking that doubt. Stop all that weeping. Stop all that unbelief and start speaking the word of God. Start Speaking, thus says the Lord. Stop speaking to dry bones and dry situations and dead situations and say, Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. When you get back, Ezekiel, you better change. Better change. Because I'm getting sick of it. And God puts Ezekiel back in his body. Now remember, his body, his body never left. He put the spirit back. You ever been there? He put the spirit back in the body. And the people are down there saying, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, oh, what, what? Man, what's wrong with you, man? We're trying to talk to you. You ever been there? We're trying to talk to you. We using and, and what you we We're talking about how bad we got it, man. We we're talking about yesteryear and, and, and days gone by, how, and how it used to be. And we ain't got no hope. And Ezekiel said, you know what, guys? Don't talk like that no more. Oh. You think you bedding us? Yeah. Sometimes you got to just tell them, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm betting y'all. Yeah. Why? Because God's done changed me. God's done turning me around and I'm not talking like that no more. Oh, come on, Ezekiel, you know God, look over there, there's Isaiah, look over there, there's Jeremiah, look over there, there's Daniel. Where is God? God is about to do a new thing. God is about to change things, and it's going to change with me. It's going to change with the words I speak, and if you ain't going to speak sound doctrine, if you ain't going to speak what does says, Lord, then get out of my way, because I choose to believe God. You know, after all that, I expected more than four claps. Okay, okay, Okay. (laughs) I'll keep it now, you (laughs) You (laughs) Listen to me, folks. I'm done preaching. I'm just going to talk for the next 45 minutes. I was going to preach another sermon, but God said, no, preach this one. Because it's time for you and I to change the words we speak. The problem ain't them out there. It ain't the devil's over there. It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't all this other stuff. The problem is the words that we speak. We can be so negative. Somebody, somebody could try to encourage, man, God's going to move. Well, we'll see. What that sound like? Help, help us wives. Help us husbands out. Help us out. You know, baby, I think God's going to give us breakthrough next week. I heard that before. Help us out. Say, I believe that too. God's going to help us. God's going to turn things around. You and I have got to change the world. I wonder what we could do in Virginia Beach is is this group, when we parted out these doors, would change the words we speak. And It'll start with one person. And it'll start with one person. And it'll start with another person. And it'll start with... with, by, by, By the time you know it, Folks be looking at Virginia Beach, part of the house, say, what's going on down there? What's going on? They change the words they speak. Now, I want you to listen very closely to what I say. I am not, I'm not, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm trusting and believing that you're a, you're a more mature not to take this in a negative way. And I want you to listen to what I say. Because there's a man in Texas with 50,000 people. Now, I'm not getting into doctrine or dogma. With 50,000 people in attendance. And we've all all listened and analyzed. We've all tried to cut him at the knees. Are y'all with me? But if you listen to what he speaks, does anybody understand what I'm saying? If you listen to what he speaks, it's love, joy, hope, life, forgiveness. I wonder what would happen. Now, listen, I am not saying go that we're trying to adopt his style. I'm saying we need to change the words we speak. We need to start speaking what thus says the Lord. Are we radical? Yes, we are. Are we on the cutting edge? Yes, we are. Are we in the church planting discipleship, world evangelism? Yes, we are. Well, if we are, let's start speaking like it. Let's start speaking like it. What would happen if you go home and change the way you speak in your house? Change the way you speak to your husband. Change the way you speak to your wife. Change the way you Start speaking what thus says the Lord. I guarantee you, will gravitate more people to you. I want you to bow your head. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around for just a moment.